Good afternoon and welcome to At Yale Live. I'm Eric Gershon. Vikings, good guys, bad guys? Who were these people? Did they really wear horned helmets? What lasting effects did they have on human society and culture? Anders Winroth, professor of history at Yale and an expert in the Vikings, joins us today to set the record straight. His next book, A New History of the Viking Age, is expected from Princeton University Press in 2014. Anders, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So let me ask you to start with a definition. Who were the Vikings? Who were these people? How did they distinguish themselves from other groups of people roaming the earth at the time? Right. Well, the Vikings were essentially Scandinavians. Most of them were Scandinavians. Uh, There is sometimes a tendency to call anybody who is vaguely Northern European and vaguely early medieval for a Viking. But I don't really like that. I think one should reserve the the term Viking for those Scandinavians who went out to plunder and raid in the rest of Europe. Sometimes there were were other people who joined them. We don't know very much about it, but it it stands to reason that that they they would have people people joining these successful bands of, of warriors when, when, it, when it was convenient. And, and orient us in time a little bit. What is the Viking era, if one can refer to such a thing? Well, it's traditionally said it goes from 793 to 1066 is when I wanted to add. Okay. From the first big raid on a monastery outside north of Newcastle in, in northeastern England in 793, Lindisfarne to 1066, the the last serious invasion uh, attempt of a Scandinavian ruler to take England, three weeks before William the Conqueror. Mm -hmm. The Norwegian Harold Hard ruler was uh, killed and and, uh, thrown back, but it exhausted the Anglo-Saxon army and that probably had a great deal to do with why they lost at Hastings three weeks later. So the popular conception of the Vikings as as travelers and as raiders is not inaccurate. No, they, they, they did do this. They, they were violent, but it's not the only thing Scandinavians did in the early Middle Ages. Uh, they, the early medieval Scandinavians were, like a lot of people are, have, are and have been in, at, at various times in history, they are great opportunists. They took the opportunities that they saw when they saw them. Mm-hmm. And if the opportunity was to trade, they traded. If it was to raid, they raided. If it was to settle down and plow the fields, they did that too. You know, I'm going to go back to the definition for a second. Um, you re- you've referred to them as Scandinavians yes. uh, primarily. To what extent can we uh, associate them with the peoples who live in Scandia- Scandinavia today? Well, the, that should would be, I mean, they are probably related. That is, these were people who were living in what today is Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Yes, okay. Finland, Iceland. Okay. Uh, and so forth, yes. And, uh, you know, in a place like Iceland, they have this wonderful genealogical database where you could actually look up uh, who you're related to. And, and you know, everybody's relating, related to all these famous Viking Age heroes. Um, what drove them to leave Scandinavia? Well, I don't, think, I don't like to think of it as much as leaving something. I think of it as something that pulling them in. Europe pulled them in. Europe had things that they wanted. Mm. Uh, one of the things that was really needed, that, that Scandinavians felt they really needed, was, was wealth. Mm. Uh, so when they, when they noticed that uh, there, there was 
more or less unguarded wealth to be had, for instance, in Lindisfarne Monastery, all the, all the church vessels and so forth. That, that had a, a very powerful pull on them to come and just take it, because it was there for the taking. Now, was this, was this wealth that they sought to meet basic needs, or was this wealth uh, more to meet desires? I, I think it, the latter is, 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 is more correct. I, I think it's, although it's, it's really about, it's about politics, it's about political economy, that uh, if we go back to 800, 900 or so, you didn't have kingdoms in Scandinavia, you didn't really have any, any real political organization. What you did have was that you had powerful people, chieftains, uh, who tried to get more power. Mm. And how do you get power when there is no state, when you know you, you can't stand up for election or something? Mm. Well, you need to have warriors around you. And then you can persuade people to do the things you want them to do. So they wanted to have as many warriors as possible. How do you get warriors when you, when you can't just call in the army uh, as, as a king? Well, you have to make people want to work for you. And the way you, you, get, you get them to want to work for you is that you, you, you get a good relationship with them. Uh, and uh, you, that is Or you dominate do. them, right? Or dominate them. But it, it's in the first place your warriors you want to have a good relationship with because you don't want them to be angry at you. Mm -hmm. So you invite them for parties. There's always great mead drinking around midwinter. And when they come to the parties, you give them gifts arm rings of gold and silver. But if you're going to do that, you're pretty soon going to run out of gold and silver. That's when you get the brilliant idea, I can go to this monastery and get some more gold and silver. And that's what they did. Now, <coughs> how did they know about, you know, that there was a monastery in Lindisfarne, or there was a monastery, there were monasteries up and down, you know, the Scottish or English or French coast. Yeah. They must have, they must have done, they must have, they must have just gone and explored, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they, they did, Scandinavians had not been sitting at home in Scandinavia and counting their sheep or whatever before yeah. that. They, they, you always had trade. You always had, when the Roman, Roman Empire was still going strong, you had Scandinavians serving as mercenaries in the mm. Roman armies. Uh, the, the historian Jordanus, who lived in Constantinople, today Istanbul, in around 550, says that, oh, the Swedes trade with furs. They sent beautiful furs to us. Mm. Uh, Scandinavians did move around before that, so they knew what, what, was, what, what the rest of Europe looked like, at least approximately. And how far was their reach east and west? Because I, as I understand it, it wasn't, it wasn't strictly Europe, right? No. They, uh, I mean, one of the, one of the most fascinating uh, aspects of the Viking Age, I think, is all the people who moved away from mainland Scandinavia to, you know, England, uh, to Iceland, mm -hmm. and then eventually to Greenland, which of mm -hmm. course is in North America. And from Greenland, they actually moved to, to North America. There is, uh, there is a bona fide Scandinavian settlement on no Newfoundland. Mm. Uh, so that's as far as they got. They might have gotten, gotten even further, but we can't know that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, wh what would be the good places to, to saddle in the Viking Age? Well, New Haven would be a good place, but, you know, we are not going to find those, those uh, remnants because mm -hmm. New Haven has been built for hundreds of years. Uh, in the East, they went all the way to Asia. Mm. Uh, they, they, uh, they had regular trading deals with the, this town uh, uh, called Bulgar, which is 
you know, about a day's travel by train east of Moscow. In the 11th century, there is uh, good evidence that a Swedish chieftain went down to the Caspian Sea and attacked the Arab Caliphate on the south coast of the Caspian Sea. Hmm. Uh, he was killed and everybody with him. Now, but if I get my geography right, the Caspian Sea is an inland sea, isn't yes. it? Right? So the, the, the Vikings would have had to travel over land, right? Yes. Get, okay. So they were not strictly seafaring people. But they traveled on the rivers. Mm. If you think of Russia, Russia is pretty flat. So the rivers are broad and, and float, and float uh, slowly, flow so, slowly. So what they did was that they, they sort of got smaller boats and, and rode upstream on the Baltic seaside up to the middle of Russia. And then they, they hauled the ship over land to the next river, to the Volga, for instance. And then they, they sailed downstream into the Caspian Sea if they could get that far. Anders, I'm going to take a question from uh, a viewer um, yes. quickly. Uh, this is from Jesse Leavenworth, and he uh, writes to ask, what did the Vikings look like? Were they short? Were they tall? Uh, would, the, would the raiders among them be the strongest? What do we know about, about what these people looked like? Well, they looked like early medieval people in general. I'm sure they looked a little bit more like Scandinavians than, mm. than uh, Southern Europeans. Uh, we know something about their stature, and, and uh, you know, they were not, they were not tall. I mean, they were not two meters or six feet tall, as, as Scandinavians often are today. Yeah. Uh, they, they were shorter, but everybody was shorter exactly, than the ladies, yeah. yes. Uh, it's funny, one thinks of Vikings as this macho man who are really strong and really yeah. uh, all that. But if you look at the skeletons, they have all kinds of diseases, as everybody had yeah. in, in, uh, in, the, in the early Middle Ages. Uh, they, they, they had bad teeth, they, had, they broke legs, they broke bones and so forth. Mm. Presumably, they were mostly men. I think so, yes. I mean, there must have been women with them. Yeah. Uh, there surely was, there, 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 were, there were a lot of stories about female fighters, uh, about shield maidens, uh, about shield Valkyries. Shield maidens. Yes. Uh, these are stories written down uh, in, uh, especially in Iceland, in the High Middle Ages. So this is like two, three hundred years later, the mm -hmm. 13th century, the 14th century. Wonderful stories that talk about shield maidens, well, essentially Amazons. Hmm. So, you know, it's always very hard to figure out what is literary imagination and what is reality. Interesting. And we have hmm. uh, another question from a, um, a viewer along the same lines. Um, and this uh, person wrote to us by Twitter at handle uh, M-H-A-F-I-Z-H-C, which I won't attempt to pronounce. <laughs> the, the, uh, the question is, are there other actual remains of Vikings? Uh, and and uh, perhaps elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, what is the archaeological record like for the, uh, the Vikings? There, there is an enormous archaeological record, uh, especially all around Scandinavia, where, where there's been a lot of digs done in Viking Age sites, yeah. but also, also in, in uh, you know, various places in Europe. One has found in, in uh, northern part of the British Isles, one has found uh, uh, men buried in boats, which look just like Viking. 
uh, a Viking burial. Uh, of were these mass graves or are these individuals? Well, they're mass graves too. Yeah. Uh, individual graves and mass graves. There's a huge mass grave in, in a place called Repton in England, which uh, I don't remember. It's something like 200 people buried there. Uh, and it looks like the, the, what, what one thinks now is that they were struck by some kind of, of e epidemic epidemics, they yeah, died yeah. From, from disease. Uh, I, I should have said that this is famous. We know from, from, uh, from written sources there was a Viking encampment there mm. at, at some point, I think, in the 10th century. And it looks like many of them died, and it doesn't look like they died of, of violence, that you know, some kind of disease got into the camp, and they, they just died, and they were buried in a huge mass grave. But in the middle of, of it all, there's a particularly large man buried in a particularly uh, spectacular Burial. A leader of some sort. Uh, yes, it looks like that, but we don't really know hmm. exactly how to interpret it. But all around Scandinavia, one, one, there are many, th many interesting things. There, in Norway in the 1920s, they dug up uh, two entire boats, Viking ships. In Norway? Yes, yeah. which are very well preserved. In Roskilde in Denmark, they dug up five poorly preserved Viking Age ships in, in, in the 20th century as well. All around Sweden, there are, there are like something like 3,000, or all around Scandinavia, something like 3,000 inscriptions in stone from the Viking Age. So it sounds like there's a lot to work with. Relative yes. to a literary texts of one sort or another, how does the archaeological record figure in your own work about the Vikings? I, I am, I'm first and foremost a historian. I'm yeah. trained in, in yeah. working with, with written remnants of, yeah. of the past. But of course, to work with Vikings, one has to know archaeology. Yeah. So most of, of my reading is archaeological. There's very little written evidence mm -hmm. of, from Scandinavia itself from the Viking Age. There's the runestones and there's some poetry that mm -hmm. was written down later on. Uh, there's plenty of evidence from Europe, uh, all these chronicles and so forth that were written by, usually by monks or other clerics. Who were uh, the victims in Who were the cases, victims, right? indeed. Yeah. Uh, and they are not happy about it. No, I can't imagine. Yes. So, so presumably these victims who are leaving um, written texts are partially responsible perhaps uh, for the reputation and the popular yeah. imagination we have even today in the 21st century of the Vikings as raiders and plunderers and extremely violent people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that you get the perspective of the victims yeah. all, all the time. Uh, I don't think the Vikings were any particularly more violent than anybody else at yeah. the time. In fact, they, they, were, they, were, they operated on a small scale. So they, you know, they didn't kill that many at the same time. At the same time as you know, famous people like Charlemagne had over 3,000 Germans executed in a single day mm. in 789. Uh, the Vikings were just amateurs mm -hmm. uh, compared to that. But, you know, Charlemagne had a huge army and, and a huge state. Uh, let me press you just a little bit on the, the literacy of the Vikings, just yes. to, to make sure that I understand. Th this, this is um, a literate people, yes. but yet they haven't left a whole lot behind in terms of literature. Well, they, they, there were people among the Scandinavians who could read and write. Yeah. Uh, may, probably more than we think. They did have stories. Uh, they told each other stories, which were, you know, continued to be told over the centuries until they were written down in the 12th, 13th, 14th century. Mm. Uh, we don't know that the story written down in the 13th century is the same story yeah. as, as was told in the 10th. Of course, they're probably not. 
but they, they certainly were people with imagination and, and, uh, and literary talent. We can see this in the, in the runestones and in the poetry, which survives from the time. Uh, these, were not, these, these, are, these are sophisticated literary monuments. Mm. The poetry is, is fascinating. It actually can be very, very hard to understand because they don't call a spade a spade. A sword is not a sword. A sword is, you know, the snake of the battle because it looks like a snake. Yeah. Uh, or, or to kill somebody is, uh, well, instead of saying, I killed a lot of people or you killed a lot of people yeah. in battle that day, you say, oh, the husband of the she-wolf did not go hungry that winter. Wow. In other words, the wolf eats carrion. So they're sort of a poetic people in a way. Yes. Hmm. Yes, no, certainly. Poetry was very high, highly valued. Let's talk about the spread of the Vikings a little bit. It's my understanding that they would raid and plunder, and in many of the, the places where they went and visited and settled temporarily, um, they, they then eventually left and went back to Scandinavia. And uh, in other places, such as perhaps Normandy yes. and Iceland, yes. they stayed and, and became part of the cultures there. Yes. How does Iceland stand out um, among all of these places that they visited and, and perhaps settled more permanently? Well, Iceland, they definitely stayed permanently there. Yeah. Uh, Iceland is, is still a country where, where a, a Scandinavian language is spoken. And it, it's also spoken in, in uh, uh, it's, it's the Scandinavian language that's closest to the Old Norse spoken by the Vikings. Mm. Uh, so it's it's sort of interesting as you know I have studied Old Norse and then I come to Iceland and people speak something like what I yeah. have learned of course the language has developed a little yeah. so it's actually very hard to pick up things not to mention that I didn't when I studied Old Norse I didn't learn words for newspaper right. and things like that <laughs> uh, but but uh, it's um, it's a wonderful country I was actually on Iceland last week you were yes so uh, was this uh, a pleasure or a research trip? It, it, it was a research trip. Uh, I, I looked at, uh, uh, this is a sort of non-Viking related thing, I looked at, at the, the use of law in, the, in late medieval Icelandic church courts. Huh. Uh, so, so that was that was very nice. Uh, my girlfriend is Icelandic too. So oh, okay, yes. all right. So it was, there was some pleasure as well. Good, good. So is it fair to say then that the, um, the, the contemporary people of Iceland are the, the group that most closely approximates or is most closely descended from clearly the, the Vikings? Well, they certainly speak the most Viking-like language. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's also fascinating about, about Iceland is that, that they have this genealogical database uh, where, where you, uh, if you're an Icelander, you can log in and look up and see how you're related to A.L. Skala Grimsson yeah. or, or any of, of the famous Viking Age heroes from the literature. Of course, not everything in that database, especially the earlier uh, parts of it, is, might be historically correct, mm. but at least it reproduces what the, what the saga the, the wonderful high medieval Icelandic literature says about these people. Let's take another question uh, from viewers. This one comes from Austin Gunner Nanook Woodruff, and he asks, what makes the Vikings so uh, exciting and interesting to you? How did this become one of your specialties as a scholar? Well, I mean, I, I think this is 
part of the reason is I'm Swedish. So mm -hmm. I grew up in Sweden and, uh, you know, elementary school, we learned about these things. Mm -hmm. We read some, you know, some of the stories and, and, and so forth. Uh, uh, and uh, w then I went off to become a historian. I did not write my dissertation about, about Vikings. I wrote my dissertation about medieval legal history. Uh, but then I, I found my way back to the Vikings because I, I thought it was very interesting. And I thought there were things that, need, that I wanted to explore to myself. I wanted to know more about it. Uh, so that's, it's really out of curiosity that, that I've been pursuing this. And have you uh, discovered anything? Has your understanding expanded in such a way, in, in ways that surprised you? That is, is there anything that you found out about the Vikings that you didn't expect to find out? Well, I, I think I think the basic surprise was was uh, what I've already been mentioning is that you learn about Vikings, you think about Vikings as these violent people who mm. were, you know, really uh, they they really wanted to do violence. Mm. There's so much more to the story, mm -hmm. and the, th these parts of the stories are, are the ones that I've been most surprised about and most fascinated mm -hmm. by. Uh, I mean, just such a fact that in, in Sweden alone, there's over 100,000 Arab silver coin from the Viking Age found in the ground. Every year, somebody finds hundreds, if not thousands, of Arab silver coins from the Viking Age in the Swedish ground. Now, that must tell us something. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to think about. Uh, you know, obviously, it, it could simply be coins, right, that were brought back by the Vikings. But yeah. is there any indication that Arabs were traveling also to what is now Scandinavia? Well, there is actually there is actually one account of a man who 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 came from Tortosa in Spain, which was then in the in the Arab in an Arab caliphate, mm -hmm. who went as far as as what used to be southern Denmark, now is northwestern Germany, mm -hmm. Schleswig. Uh, probably not. Uh, the, the, I think this, these coins came to Scandinavia through trade mainly, and trade was done through intermediaries. Mm -hmm. Scandinavians would probably go to this place, Bulgar, uh, in, uh, in uh, sort of, well, uh, a bit east of Moscow, and Arabs would go to Bulgar, and they would meet there and, and exchange. The, the Scandinavians would sell fur and slaves, and the Arabs would pay with silver mm -hmm. and gold. Let's debunk what uh, is probably a myth, but you would know. Did the Vikings really wear horned helmets? No, they didn't. And actually, if you just think about it a little, it, it doesn't make much sense. If you're fighting with swords and axes, you don't want a helmet from which something juts out, mm. because then it's very easy to de-helmet you. So, it, it so does the archaeological record uh, you know, indicate that is through absence of such things that yes. they just weren't there? They, they weren't mm. there. Uh, it's, it's actually sort of 18th, early 19th century misinterpretation of uh, horns that look like drinking horns that ah. were thought to be this. Okay. And then it, you know, it was Wagner's, Richard Wagner's uh, dress designer in Bayreuth in 1876 mm. with the, the world premiere of the Ring des Nibelungen that put horned helmets on the heroes of that story, some of whom come from this uh, Scandinavian literature. It's easy to see how it's remained part of the yes. popular image because it, it does fit it does make them look uh, look the part almost of yes, yes. raiders, and it's it's a it's an immediately recognizable vis visual si symbol or mm -hmm. visual signal. 
So, so what happened to the Vikings? That is, why don't why don't we why aren't there Vikings today? Well. It depends on how you define Vikings. Yeah. There are some people who like to think that there are Vikings today, but if you define them as the people who raided and plundered in Europe, the reason why that stopped is that the European, European kingdoms got their act together and got, got organized and got their defenses organized. So in that sense, the, the Vikings sort of had an important impact on European history because it, it forced uh, European kings to organize their states or their kingdoms, which, which uh, got them to start taking up fees from their, their subjects and so forth. I sometimes jokingly say that the, the Vikings brought death, death and taxes to Europe mm. because they forced the kings to take up taxes so they could organize their defenses. So that's why they disappeared. Mm. I mean, uh, Harold, Harold Hardruller attacking England in 1066, he was defeated. Uh, several other Scandinavians who had tried to attack England before that they actually succeeded. There, was, there were Danish people being kings of England for, for 20, 25 years earlier in the 11th century. So they, they became more peaceable and this, this sort of defining characteristics of traveling and raiding and plundering and so on, it wasn't a necessary activity for them anymore, so they sort of became more domestic, I well, guess. Well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, they could continue to attack in the East, yeah. but in the East we had nobody writing down anything mm. about it. Uh, you know, Sweden attacked Finland in the middle of the 12th century. It's a famous story in Swedish history. Denmark at attacked Estonia in the, in the 12th or 13th century. It's a battle in Estonia when the Danish flag supposedly fell down from the skies. That's what the Danish flags goes back to. It's one mm. of the oldest flags in Europe. Uh, so they just directed their energies in other directions. But in, in general, it is true that, that uh, and this is actually true for all of European history, that the passage from the early Middle Ages to the high and late Middle Ages is the passage from a uh, political structure where you attack aliens, people outside your own group, and take their wealth to uh, a period where you turn inside and you take the wealth from your subjects. In mm -hmm. other words, taxes. Mm -hmm. There's pl plunder in the early Middle Ages, there's taxes in the, in the high and late Middle Ages. This is a gross simplification, mm -hmm. but, but that's basically how it works. Another question coming in. This one from Lou Auguste, and he asks um, if you've heard of the main penny, and if it's really a hoax, if you have heard of it, is it a real deal or is it a hoax? It's, it's and maybe define what it is for our yes, for our it's it's uh, it's a penny, uh, which is the the basic uh, measurement of of money in the Middle Ages. It's a penny that was found. In, Actually, in Maine, right? In, in Maine, the US yes. Maine. I don't remember exactly when it was found, and it is it is clearly a 12th century Norwegian penny struck by a, a Norwegian king. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the question is, what does it that mean? Mm -hmm. Because you know, if if your grandfather dropped a Norwegian penny right. in in 1920s. <laughs> Uh, we don't know where it comes from. Okay. We don't have the archaeological context, so it, it doesn't prove really anything. It's very likely that this penny had reached whoever lived in Maine and, and in the in the 13th, 12th, 13th century uh, through some kind of exchange, trade or, or otherwise, uh, and that it has been there since then. But we don't know because mm -hmm. we don't know how it was found or where it was found. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the book you're working on, uh, which comes out from Princeton in yes. 2014 or so. 2014, yes. Tell us about uh, the book. 
Well, I'm very excited about, about this book. I, I have been teaching Viking history uh, at Yale for, for uh, well, I've been at Yale for 15 years. Uh, and and uh, this, I'm, I'm sharing what I have learned in this process uh, with, I hope now, a, a larger audience mm -hmm. than, than, than just my classes, as it were. Uh, and uh, I, I'm trying to take a, a new grip on the Viking Age. That's why I call it a new history of the Viking mm -hmm. Age. Uh, and I, I hope that, that people will be excited to read it. Is there a principal argument that you're advancing? Well, there, there's, it's not, it doesn't have a big argument. It has many small arguments. Uh, I mean, some of which we touched on here. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, I, I want to argue that there, there isn't something uh, really exceptional about the Vikings. The Vikings just behaved the way early medieval people behaved. Mm. Uh, there are some aspects of their, their history that are f very fascinating to us. But they, 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 they were no more violent than, than uh, anybody else. They were no less civilized than anybody else, and, and so forth. They, they, uh, I, what I want to do is I, I want to broaden, uh, invite people to think broadly about early medieval Scandinavian culture and what the Vikings and their cousins were doing at the time. Question coming in from Alejandro Drago. Hope I pronounced that all right. How did Christianity relate to or affect the end of the Viking culture? That's a very good question because I think it actually had a lot to do with it, and and that's actually the subject of my of my last book, uh, the uh, the conversion of Scandinavia, Vikings, merchants, and missionaries in the remaking of Northern Europe, that came out last year on on Yale University Press. Uh, the the Christianity came to Scandinavia because these leaders, chieftains, kings, would-be kings, uh, thought that Christianity was a useful religion to have. And Christianity helped them to become kingdoms, to get a few of the chieftains won the competition with others and became kings. And they helped, Christianity helped to create the mi kingdoms that we know from the Middle Ages, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. Mm -hmm. uh, and that helped, uh, that made, meant that they became more organized. And it meant that when, uh, when uh, it stopped being really possible to go to Western Europe to steal wealth, uh, these kingdoms started to tax mm. their, their subjects instead. Interesting. Mm. Um, we're, uh, Running out of time, but I want to ask you uh, one more question. In you were a MacArthur Fellow in two thousand three. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, I wonder how how has that experience sort of shaped your work? And well, it it, it has very much to do with it. The yeah. the I, I was very grateful to get the MacArthur in two thousand three. It gave me some. It put off. It, it lifted some pressure from me. It gave mm -hmm. me some some time to really read up on what actually was a new subject to me. Mm. I had not studied Viking history in graduate school and not much in college either, even though I went to college in mm. Stockholm. And it, it gave me some breathing space when I could sit down and read and read and read about the Viking Age. And that is something that I'm intensely grateful for uh, that I was able to do. And, and uh, uh, I, I don't think I would have written either of these books without the MacArthur. Interesting. We are going to take one more question. Uh, this is uh, tweeted to us uh, by at Mimi Hersey, and she asks, 
What do you think of the History Channel's Vikings program? Well, right. I've seen the two first episodes. I, what I really love about that show is that, that clearly the person who wrote the script uh, uh, ha uh, has read the sources because there are details in the, in the, in the show. There's, for instance, in one of the two first episodes, there's a point where you have a gang of men uh, who wash themselves in, 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 a, in a bowl that, that is handed around by, by a servant girl, and they all wash themselves, and then they blow their nose in it. And that's exactly what it says in a, in a 921 report hmm. by an Arab who had gone north to Bulgar and met some people who seemed to have been Scandinavians. So they, they, I, I really like that they pick up on things like that. But I don't, I don't, I don't watch uh, drama for historical accuracy. I watch drama for drama. Uh, so so that, that's, that's sort of a different story, as it were. Um, well, that's great. And we'll all have to watch uh, the History Channel. I'm glad to know they're doing their homework. I want to thank you so much for joining us thank today you. to talk about the Vikings. And I want to thank all of you for watching at Yale Live. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.